Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. You're listening to the Average Conservationist Podcast, brought to you in partner with 2% for Conservation. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for Conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you're into fishing, hunting, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitment as popular brands like Sitka, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their community for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for Conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. What's up, everyone? Good morning. Welcome back to the Average Conservationist Podcast, and I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. Today on the podcast, I have with me David Lynn, and David is the owner and founder of 2% Certified Veridity, and Veridity is a brand design, um, excuse me, a brand strategy design consultancy, and what that means is they are helping um, companies and brands uh, specifically related uh, to the outdoors or that are operating in the outdoor space, and they're helping them uh really find the the customers and the the target audience that they're really going for and making sure that the the design uh, that they're branding actually uh, has a message and connects with with the customers that they're um, you know really trying to reach. Uh, David kind of walks me through the process of what it looks like. Uh, when speaking with a customer, um, you know the goals, the objectives, everything that they have, uh, and really it's the, it's quite a long process uh, from from start to finish on on everything that they're doing. They're they're not a um, a company or an outfit that's uh, trying to just implement uh, kind of a quick fix um, or anything like that. They're really um, doing their due diligence along the way and making sure that they're. Uh, Acquiring all the right knowledge and information from themselves, uh, from the team that they're working with, uh, to uh, likely the target customer, the target target audience, uh, and and building a plan and uh, again a strategy around all of that. So pretty interesting stuff there. Uh, you know, David, being in Arkansas and growing up in Arkansas, um, they have a very rich tradition of the outdoors um and david kind of talks about what you know the outdoors looks like to him uh how he was first introduced at a young age and and really what he gets to spend his time on um 
it's what he gets to spend his time doing in the outdoors these days as well. So, episode 102, David Lynn. Enjoy. David Lynn, welcome to the podcast. How's everything going today? Hey, man. It's doing good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. No problem at all. I know we spoke uh, earlier today and then um, obviously before recording here, but I know you're a bit under the weather. Um, Allergy season is hitting you hard. Uh, much like myself, but uh, I appreciate you being a trooper and uh, still agreeing to do this and and powering through here. Yeah, of course, man. We're on the we're on the uh, better half of it, but we'll just see how it goes. Yeah, there you go. So, David, let's kind of jump right into things here. Uh, tell me about Veridity uh, and and what it is, and really kind of the uh, the origin story behind it, if you will. Man, so we are a brand strategy design consultancy, which I know is a big mouthful, but uh, we provide uh, brand identity design, digital design, and strategy for outdoor companies that kind of need to clarify their purpose, like find their voice, understand who their target customers are, and kind of help them define their goals, like an overarching, uh, I guess, strategy for your brand. But it started... um, almost a year ago and we were working with all sorts of companies that were you know from all different industries and then kind of in the fall uh, it really did hit me that you know uh, hunting and conservation and organizations like that are kind of on the decline just a little bit just as we become more of an inside culture um, more people are not looking towards the outdoors to uh, escape and so we want to help companies uh, branch into new territories and find new types of customers uh, that maybe, you know, haven't been kind of targeted by the outdoor industry and stuff like that. You know, you said something there that I could not agree more with when you said we're kind of heading towards being uh, an indoor society. And that's, you know, I haven't had someone describe it or say it quite like that, but when it is, when you do describe it like that, it, it kind of hits home a little bit. Um, because I, I've talked to plenty of guests in the past who talk about, you know, when when they grew up as opposed, you know, how, they, how the outdoors was and, and, you know, how much time we spent outside as kids because, you know, we didn't have all these distractions, right? There wasn't the internet, there wasn't cell phones, uh, you know, whatever, there was you know, Saturday morning cartoons, uh, and the rest of the time you were on your own, uh, to try to occupy yourself. And the outdoors was just a super, uh, great way for kids to, to get out and play. And you're right. Um, it's scary to think that, you know, uh, you know, kids growing up nowadays, um, while for the most part, they still have those, uh, same opportunities to get outdoors, um, to you know, build forts in the woods, to go for hikes, to go fishing, uh, whatever the case is. Uh, it's just it's sometimes a bit more difficult. Um, so sometimes we take the easy way out, um, and that's you know being an indoor society. Um, but I really uh, liked how you are trying to angle people or brands um, away from that. Uh, to you know, engage their customers. Uh, to engage, um, you know, yeah, their customers. I guess is just the best word for it. And really show them how great the outdoors really is. You know, right. 
is, I mean, like you said, you were talking about young kids being inside all the time. Like it is vitally important for young children to be outside exploring the world, you know, and just venturing into the unknown and enjoying it. It's crucial for their development. Yeah, absolutely. So how was it that you decided to, to start Veridity, um, you know, did it start a year ago or was a year ago kind of just when you really made that change and that, that, that shift to kind of working with more outdoor um, related brands? It started almost a year ago. And then about the December, January period of this year is when we really started to try to focus more on outdoor companies. And that's when we changed the name to Veridity. And uh, just to give us a better identity, you know, what Veridity actually means is the state or quality of being green. And so I thought that was very important for design uh, to be that way as well. Yeah. So <clears throat> what did your, your background look like prior to, to starting the company? I mean, did you have a lot of experience or were you doing this, um, you know, somewhere else and then just decided to branch out on your own? Man, I've, I've been doing design work since, I guess, I was in high school, probably sophomore year of high school. I had one teacher who really took me under his wing and just kind of showed me the ropes, how to use the programs, because he knew I had an eye for design. And I've just, you know, been, took off ever since. I was doing some freelance work for about four or five years, and then I really decided that it was time for me to start my own agency. And... Uh, that's what that's what took me to where I am today. Yeah. So, how many people do you have uh, working with the agency? Is it? Uh, I'd imagine uh, it's a small team, uh, but you know, maybe it's not. What is? What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's pretty small. I run most of the day today, and then I, for uh, most projects, you know, it, it really just depends on you know the company. If you have a super large size company, then I will. Um, Go. I contract out most of the design work because um, we'll have a brief period of kind of understanding the style and like direction that we want to go towards for the project. And then I will go to the network of designers that I have and just kind of hand coal and pick who would best be able to work on that style. And then that's how, and then we move forward from there. Yeah. So <clears throat> kind of, if you can walk me through the process uh, of really, so uh, you know, a brand or a company reaches out, um, they want to either rebrand or you know, really focus or hone in, um, you know, what their their message is as a brand. So, what is I guess kind of you know, start to finish? What does that process look like for for you, for your team, and for the customer involved? No, I'd say for like, you know, when if we're going to do just like a regular, like you want to update your brand and, you know, also that includes a website, you know, you can't have your old brand on your website, but so we'll start for the first month of a project. They usually last anywhere from six to eight months uh, for a full project but for that first month, maybe month and a half is the discovery and brand strategy phase. So it's a phase where, you know, we'll uncover insights about your target audience or customer and uh, like we will, Veridity will, and then we will interview key stakeholders to see what their project specific goals and benchmarks are and 
these little sessions last in between like two and three hours. And uh, we get to know your audience, organization goals, like I said, uh, your brand story, where you've come, why you've decided to do this now. And then we try to focus on the customer experience and like their journey going through your business from start to finish and, and why and trying to figure out how we can make them not a customer, but a loyal fan of your business. And then when, or, did you have a question? Nope. Nope. Go ahead. Keep going. Then we have, uh, then once we've got that locked in, uh, we'll submit all of that info to the stakeholders, you know, CEO, president, stuff like that, and let them go over it and kind of see if, you know, it feels right for their brand. If not, we'll go and we'll revisit certain topics. But if we've got it locked in, we'll move into the branding phase. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so um, we'll start with three different stylescapes. So it's just, you know, it includes logo, the look and feel of your brand, how the inside of your office is going to look, and it'll be in three different styles. And so we'll present that to stakeholders and just going to have them pick and choose, and we'll also send it over to their to people that we're interviewing as their target audience and kind of see what they would like to see in an outdoor company, you know, how it would make them feel, kind of get their emotions based off of the design. And so once we've got that locked in, we go into logo design, brand messaging, and just kind of user experience like I was talking about earlier. And then once that's done, once the branding phase is done, we uh, issue a style guide to the company, which is kind of a usage guide, how, you know, you should use your logo here, you know, on a T-shirt, billboard, Instagram, whatever. And then we'll move into the website phase, which is pretty straightforward, um, just We'll design a base. We have a strategy session for the website, kind of how we want and the user how it, how it would flow for a customer, making it as easy as possible. Because the last thing anybody wants is a frustrating or complicated website. And um, then we just kind of lock it in like that, and we're good to go. Yeah. So that's. That's super in depth, um, and what I mean, uh, or, or to me, where the the depth of of things really come from is all of the due diligence that you guys are doing on the front end, you and your team, of you know talking to you know key stakeholders, but also uh, you know interviewing uh, you know what is assumed to be kind of the target audience or the target customer uh, of the brand. And then working, almost working backwards, right? Finding out, you know, going to the end user, what you want the results to be and say, okay, how do we fix this process, um, you know, almost or reverse engineer it, I guess, to get to the starting point that's going to have, um, you know, the highest uh, impact, um, you know, the biggest impact, the right impact, um, send the right message, like you said. And when, you know, I've seen, um, you know, different, you um, businesses or uh, companies that that talk about um, you know branding and uh, you know strategy maybe not necessarily like from a design standpoint but like how to uh, you know better enhance your your reach um, especially like through social media because that's obviously um, what a lot of people are using and and doing right now to to spread the message of their business but they always seem to be like these you know 
two, three week, maybe a month process of, okay, this is what you know, you're doing, this is how we should change it. This is what's worked for everyone else. So they almost try to apply the same approach to all their different uh, potential customers or, or their customers. And, you know, you guys are doing something completely different. Uh, and I think that that is um, probably what leads to, to the success of your, your customers and your clients. Yeah, man, because if you, if you try to put just a blanket template style on everything it's only going to affect you know one group of people i mean all you have to do is take a walk outside and you can see how many different people we have on this planet with all different kinds of interests and views and what they like to see and stuff like that so that's why we try to narrow down a target audience like the minimum viable audience that we can go for that can also keep your business running and that's who we uh, will cater their business towards so at the end of, you know, the, the six, eight month time period that, that you were just kind of um, going over, how are, you know, you know, you and, and the team that you have at Veridity there, how are you able to really gauge um, success for the customers? Because, you know, is it, you know, more sales of a, a particular product? Is it just, you know, more engagement uh, through the website or, you know, I mean, obviously every business and, and what they're doing is a bit different. So the goals are going to be a bit different. But, you know, from your guys' standpoint, you know, how are you able to, um, you know, one, show the customer like, hey, this is, you know, this is what we planned. This is our, our, our goal, our end objective. Um, but then also in turn, you know, feel good about, Yes, like this is what we set out to do, and you know we nailed it, right? Like, what is? How are you able to gauge that? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> usually, it's it's based on like how confidently can the stakeholders and you know employees of a company how confidently can they stand behind their brand so much to, to where they can start building up a loyal fan base for their company and once the loyal fan base starts coming that's how we know that we've succeeded so it could take three months to a year to see results yeah now in your experience what would you say is is i guess the biggest mistake that brands are making or that companies are making when when trying to reach their target audience, is it, you know, they just are, are using approaches that they've seen elsewhere? Is it that they're just, um, they don't really know what their target audience is? I mean, what is, what are, what are you seeing uh, with customers that you're working with? Number one thing is, like you said, they don't really know what their target audience is. So they try to market to everybody and that doesn't work. You know, all you have to do is go to YouTube, and the first thing you're going to click is the skip ad button. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it's trying to market to everybody, and when you do that, you market to no one. And I really think that's the biggest struggle that people are having is trying to narrow down a specific group of people that they want, that, that a company would want them to use their product and enjoy it. And another thing is, is just, a terrible product that doesn't help people at all. And people are just trying to push that, push that, push that, and that doesn't work either. You know, especially as you know, younger generations like X, millennials, and Z, as they're starting to move up, we're becoming more focused on 
the experience of a company, how they're impacting the world and stuff like that. Whereas with older generations, that wasn't really much of a concern. Yeah, that's a good point. The, the, the people who are more, uh, the, yeah, the, yeah, the people, the groups, whatever, uh, who are more, uh, vocal, right. About their buying experience about, um, they want to have the, they want that experience. Like you just said, the, you know, to when they're when they're supporting a brand, when they're buying, uh, you know, whether it's uh, you know a fishing rod, uh, you know, a bow, a T-shirt, a hat, whatever it is, they want to be part of uh, kind of that group, right? Like if you know, like if, if you're shooting a Matthews bow or a Hoyt or a Prime, like you want to be part of like that group of people who shoot that, and it's something to you know, kind of hang your hat on and, and just like there's kind of a an unspoken community, right, amongst people who support the same brand. And I feel like, yeah, this younger generation wants to be uh, a part of something, right? And that's why having that that message um, with the brand and having that story um, allows them to, to feel a part of something, I guess, right? Right, exactly. And I like what you said about Matthews and Hoyt because Like you said, there are huge groups of people who are very dedicated, loyal people to those two brands, you know, and it's because they create high quality bows and that, you know, results in high quality results. Yeah. So you said it was uh, about December, uh, I believe, of last year when you made the switch and decided to to focus kind of solely um, on outdoor brands is is the outdoor something that has always been uh, like a critical part of, of your upbringing and in your life oh man yeah as a kid like every weekend was you know going camping going fishing you know being outside playing with my brother in the yard you know it was just always something that we did around here and i mean i guess i'm just you know blessed to growing up in the natural state where we preserve a lot of public land and keep it open for uh, our citizens to enjoy and so there's you know you're always 10 minutes away from a state park or a wma or just a body of water where you can go fish so it just it made it a lot easier yeah and that's i mean michigan is uh there's certain parts of Michigan, I guess, you know, as you get into Southern Michigan, there's, there certainly is public land, but it's not as, as abundant, uh, as, as it is in other parts of the state, but that's, what's, uh, so great about, you know, some of these, you know, cause Michigan, uh, while we have a very, uh, deep heritage, uh, or tradition, uh, in the outdoors, it's not really one of those states that is like, you know, real sought after, uh, in terms of, you know, whitetail hunting or, uh, I mean, we have some some great trout streams um, and fisheries here in Michigan, but it's still it's not one of those places like you know Montana or or Utah or Colorado uh, that people are like, yeah, I've got to go there, I've got to I've got to hunt or I've got to fish this area. Like, how is it in Arkansas? I mean, what is the the tradition and kind of the heritage of the outdoors like there? Man, um, so before we were the natural state, we were called the Wonder State. And then before that, we were known as the Bear State because of the huge population of black bears we had here. So that really gave birth to a lot of our outdoorsmen, mountain people, 
and especially in the Ozarks, more mountain-centric uh, life. And that just really uh, bred into our hunting experiences and stuff like that. And later on, as we became more agrarian, especially in East Arkansas, um, we started having rice fields and stuff like that a little closer to the Mississippi, and that's what really brought the ducks. It was the Mississippi Flyway, and so that is, you know, I, you know, I've been going duck hunting almost every year um, since the beginning of high school with my friends. That was just always something that we did uh, whenever season rolled around. And in Stuttgart, Arkansas, it's kind of self-named, self-named the duck capital of the world. But there's people <laughs> who come from all over the world to hunt in Stuttgart. So. You know, obviously being, you know, uh, in the outdoors at a young age, what did you kind of cut your teeth out uh, in terms of, of hunting? Well, I mean, hunting, it was just with my dad sitting in the stand with him as an extra pair of eyes when I was too little to hold a gun. <laughs> but then that kind of moved into uh, more duck hunting later on. Uh, because, it, it, yeah, I'm going to admit, it's a little hard for me to sit still. <laughs> <laughs> for that long so i definitely enjoyed that kind of a little more than white hunting. yeah and there's certain things about um just bird hunting in general right whether it's waterfowl upland um is the 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 kind of the camaraderie that comes with it um the yeah. the more the more social aspect of it right where you know especially like upland hunting you're walking around you're talking you know you got the dogs working um it's a, it's a much more interactive experience whereas yeah like post to to whitetail hunting which is yeah very uh sedentary in nature for the most part uh it's you know by yourself it's a lot of quiet um and while yeah, i mean i certainly enjoy that uh i certainly uh enjoy the 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 social aspect i guess of of bird hunting uh as well yeah i mean it's just I mean, there's nothing like it than sitting on sitting with all your buddies in the blind, you know, and then just that huge just horde of ducks comes over, and just that excitement, the adrenaline rush, and everything like that. It's just you can't compare it to anything. Yeah. So is that what you spend most of your time doing now? Then is uh, is waterfowl hunting? Waterfowl. I do a lot of whitetail with uh, my father-in-law, and then uh, you know just fishing now since we're more into the summer months but uh, i guess still spring but feels like summer already yeah we're knocking on the door we can we i mean it's we've passed the midway point here of may so we can we can say we're into the summer pretty much uh Mm -hmm. i mean it's especially you know kind of down south there where you're at yeah it's got to be a lot warmer than it is up here yeah it's been 90s all week but (laughs) Mm. Yeah, it's definitely a lot warmer down there than it is up here. So kind of, you know, speaking of the outdoors and and what you're spending your time with, how was it, David, that you learned about 2% for conservation? Man, I think I was looking at different conservation organizations just all across the country, looking at ones that I wanted to support and stuff like that. And, um, I just wanted to find a better way to, you know, initiate the conversation and be able to talk to them and stuff like that, kind of see where they were needing help. Uh, and so then I can't, I 
cannot remember for the life of me what website it was, but I saw their badge in the footer of their website that was uh, said certified 2% conservation business. And so I clicked on that and I just really wanted to learn more and stuff like that. And that's what led me uh, talking to you guys about getting certified uh, ourselves. Yeah. So what are some of the organizations that Veridity is uh, working with and giving back to? So the four that we have listed on the website is uh, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, uh, Buffalo River Foundation, Delta Waterfowl, and Arkansas Wildlife Federation. Um, because 2%, they work with businesses all over the United States that all have been a vast majority of them support the same, you know, the big three like BHA, Teddy Roosevelt Conservation Partnership, and then, um, which I guess, na- yeah, National Wildlife Federation. Yeah. But uh, we decided that we wanted to focus on something a little more local to make an impact in Arkansas, uh, which is why we chose Buffalo River Foundation and Arkansas Wildlife Federation. Yeah, and I love that approach. And, and anyone who's who's listened has heard me talk about this uh, more than once. But, you know, if that's where you're spending all of your time recreating, you know, for the most part anyway, let's say, you know, 80, 90% there in Arkansas, um, to find local organizations that are helping support, um, especially things that you like to do. I mean, I know Delta Waterfowl, for example, is a, a much larger, or is a, you know, a large conservation organization, but, you know, you're big into waterfowl hunting. So finding organizations that, you know, fit what, you know, you care about, that support what you care about, um, is great. And then again, kind of working from the, the local standpoint, um, it's also, uh, it's a place where you can feel like you have um, a direct impact, you know, because while these, the you know, kind of the big three, like you mentioned there, um, are amazing organizations, uh, sometimes, you know, if there's maybe not a lot of activities you can get involved with uh, at a local level, uh, whether there's, you know, maybe there's not a local chapter near you or whatever the case is, it can feel like you just, you know, you pay your dues. Uh, or you pay your membership fee and then and then that's it, right? But wanting to actually do more um, to you know get your boots on the ground, to get your hands dirty, um, finding organizations that are in your backyard, those are the ones where at the end of the day you can say, "Yep, I was a part of this," or you're helping maintain trailheads or keeping water waterways clean. Um, yeah, that's where I feel like a lot of people get the most satisfaction from a, a giving back standpoint. Right, exactly. And, you know, as 2% keeps sweeping across the country and people start choosing more local organizations, you know, that will make a huge difference in uh, just across the country working with local uh, conservation organizations. Yeah, because 2% is doing a great job or what they're doing a great job of. Yeah, they don't limit people to, to who they can give back to or, you know, what giving back looks like to them um you know it's it everyone is in different areas has different organizations but it like you just said it shines a much brighter light on uh, a lot of these small local orgs um especially when we get a chance to come on here and and talk about an organization and and maybe there's people uh you know that will listen to this episode that are in you know the little rock area in arkansas maybe they weren't familiar they hear about this and now they want to get involved right so it's it's almost kind of creating this little ripple effect, um, 
that hopefully reaches more and more individuals. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> as you know, someone who's who's you know for for you, David, who spent you know a majority of their life in the outdoors uh, in some way, shape, or form. Now working um, and creating your own brand and company that's helping other, you know, outdoor businesses or business-minded uh, or outdoor-related, outdoor-minded businesses um, succeed in, in their mission. Are there, you know, issues kind of in maybe your specific area or, you know, in Arkansas that is something that you guys are trying to, to focus on with your efforts or that you know needs to be addressed and you're, you know, trying to help kind of raise some awareness for that? Man, uh, if you would asked me that a couple of years ago, I would have said uh, the management of black bears in our state, but our population is exploding. But right now, um, our small elk population that we do have that we're trying to reintroduce, it is slowly and slowly just trickling down in numbers. And so that's one thing I would really like to focus on for the rest of this year is funding some health projects up near the Buffalo River. And do you guys have an elk season in Arkansas or is it the numbers just too low to where there's no uh, tags being issued? There, it's very limited draw on elk tags. I'd say they only give about 50 away. Okay. Yeah. So we have uh, uh, an elk population in Michigan as well and I I mean I'm probably going to butcher this but I'm just going to go with I think what I had saw most recently I think there's maybe 400 tags 300 tags that are given out a year and that may even be a stretch it may even be like 200 it's basically like a once in a lifetime tag uh, if you draw it in Michigan like just the odds of drawing it twice um, are just you know so minuscule that it's just you know call it a once in a lifetime tag Um what do you think, you know, or, or based on, you know, what you've read, what you've seen, why do you think that that, that population is on the decline? I mean, um, I was listening to uh, one of the statements from our Game and Fish Commissioner, and he was just saying just that they have oversupplied tags for the number of calves that are being born. And uh, so they've, they've um, pulled it back just a little bit for this upcoming season just to see if that will help with the population. And uh, then also, you know, we've had crazy weather here that's been back and forth, back and forth, just being right in like the temperate band of the United States. And uh, so that really doesn't help with the animal getting a stable kind of rhythm um, to be breathing in. Yeah. And now, it's from an elk uh, hunting standpoint there. I mean, when when people are getting these tags, like, are they, I mean, what's the success rate? Do you know, is it pretty high? I mean, it sounds like it, if, you know, we're, you know, more cows than, than calves are being born every year, but is it, is it a pretty high success rate? I, I wouldn't know. I'd have to look that up. I assume it is since our population is decreasing a little right, bit. Right. Right. But I'm not sure. I'd have to get back to you on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was more just a, out of curiosity. Um, because I know, again, referring back to Michigan here, the success rate is fairly high um, for for people who harvest um, that get. Because they're in Michigan, like they're they're very kind of focused um, in kind of one you know specific region of the state. So you know people who have been putting in for 
you know, elk points and elk tags for, you know, years and years, they, they already know, you know, where they're going to be hunting, uh, for the most part, uh, and maybe have hired people, uh, to help them, uh, locate herds or people who have been tracking herds for, you know, the fall into, or, you know, the summer into the fall. So it's, um, it's (laughs) elk hunting in Michigan is not like elk hunting out West by any stretch of the imagination. So, so when you, you know, you're working with these customers and, and, you know, talking about conservation, like is, is the conservation side of things something that comes up often, um, you know, when discussing, uh, you know, strategies and, you know, really just a brand identity uh, with these customers? It does. It's uh, kind of one of the main core tenets. You know, we don't really like to work with a whole lot of people who aren't conservation oriented. And uh, so, yeah, just like what, like works that they are passionate about and stuff like that. That's really something that we try to focus on because it makes the company seem more human when you actually see humans, you know, that are working there. Right. And see what they're doing outside and how they are contributing to the outdoors. And for all outdoor companies, conservation should be an important thing because without conserving the outdoors, you know, they'll go away and then your company will go away. Yeah, isn't it almost uh, jaw-dropping the amount of companies that are directly selling or or they're selling a product that is directly related to outdoor recreation that aren't giving back to conservation in some way? Yes, it is very jaw-dropping. It doesn't make sense, you know? It's just, you know. You know, and that's... I don't know how to... And I, I agree because, I mean, even if you just take, I mean, you go through the uh, 2% the Fish and Wildlife page and you look at, you know, the the list of business members and there is obviously there's some real heavy hitters uh, in terms of, you know, name and brand recognition that are in there and kudos to those companies because, you know, they're, they're a, a, a bigger company um, and they're, you know, choosing um, conservation as uh, an important pillar of what their brand is and what it stands for, um, giving back both their time and their money. And then, you know, you have, you know, companies like, like yours and mine, right? We're, we're small, you know, companies, small organizations, uh, but we still see the importance, right? Like the money that our companies donate is, you know, <laughs> much smaller than, you know, someone like Sitka or Go Hunt uh, or, or something <laughs> along those lines, right? And, for there to be other, you know, massive, massive manufacturers, we'll just say, that aren't giving anything back to conservation, and then people still choose to to support them, which, you know, I I, I get that, you know, if if you need a, a bow or you know a firearm or something like that, you know, there's and you're looking for someone who gives back to conservation. I'm sure you can probably find some, but you know, maybe it's. You know, maybe that limits you to one, uh, you know, manufacturers or something like that. And you just, you don't have the options. But, I mean, they're, these people are selling a, a product that directly takes, helps take from the land and they're not giving anything back. And it's just, it's heartbreaking because, you know, the, the impact that companies of, you know, that size could have on conservation in the outdoors uh, would be huge uh, for, for everyone involved. 
Yeah. And like, like you said, it's just heartbreaking. And it's highly unbalanced. And, you know, I mean, if you look at the early uh, 20th century, we took a lot from the land and didn't give anything back. And now we are still recovering from that. Yeah. Yeah. So, David, you kind of touched on it earlier, but I just wanted to kind of ask directly, but why is conservation so important to you? And why is it such a, an important part of Veridity and what it is that you guys are doing? And there is an awesome quote by Jennifer Clark about conservation. And she says, conservation means you and I and every other person on this planet taking positive, responsible action to ensure that the planet continues to live so that we can live on it. If if we don't take care of it, you know, it's not going to take care of us. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's the truth. I mean, I don't, I don't really have, have a good follow up to that because that's kind of spot on. And yeah, that's, you wish more people would take that approach, I guess is kind of the bottom line. So do you have, as you know, we're, we're getting into the summer, you got the fall, um, you know, right behind it, you know, do you have any like big trips or like anything like that planned? Or are you, you know, kind of planning to do a lot of your recreating right there in Arkansas? Yeah, a lot of it right here in Arkansas. I would like to get down to Texas just a little bit. And maybe on the Guadalupe River have a couple camping trips. But, you know, I just, I can't look too far ahead into the future. Um, but, yeah, most of it will be done in Arkansas, I think, for this year at least. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any, I guess, big trips planned locally there? Um, you know, do you guys do like a, like a deer camp or... Um, you know, for opening day of waterfowl, like, uh, is there, you know, big traditions that you guys have with your, your friends or your family? Yeah. In high school, we would all go up near, uh, Northeast Arkansas and we would just camp out the night before, uh, opening day of waterfowl season in a little shack and then we'd all cook together and then get up in the morning and go hunting and then mainly for whitetail hunting, I like to go up near the Buffalo River, got a another camp up there uh, with a few friends and we go up and then just you know, mainly hang out, smoke some barbecue. If we could get anything to cook, and, uh, I just like hanging out. Yeah, no, that's, that's the beauty of just the outdoors in general is, you know, just being able to kind of disconnect right from your phones from emails computers whatever the case is and you know just enjoy the company of friends and family enjoy nature and yeah just just unwind just relax it's a uh, it's very therapeutic uh in so many different ways just to relax not be lethargic but just to like you said just enjoy nature with friends and family there's nothing like it bring it closer to friends and family as well. Yeah, and it's also a great way to kind of recharge too, especially, you know, I think about um, the amount of thinking <laughs> that I get done uh, when I'm sitting in a tree stand, right? Just when you don't have the distractions, um, your thoughts and everything become much more clear and you become much more focused. Uh, and I think it's, you know, not only because there's not the distractions, but you're also, you know, when you're sitting there with, you know, a rifle or a shotgun or, or a bow or whatever, like it's a, a much more primal um, 
feeling, you know, knowing that you're out there to, to kill a deer or, you know, birds, whatever. And yeah, it's a, it's a different mindset that you're in when you're out there for sure. Right. So it speaks to that part of the brain that doesn't get spoken to in our regular everyday life. Yeah. It's, uh, often neglected i feel like and uh mm-hmm. yeah when you when you let it speak you know that's when you listen exactly. so dave before i let you get out of here and, and rest your voice and, and get back to resting here where can people find veridity um you know whether they want to learn more follow along just uh where what's the best place to to contact you or, or to see some of the work that you've done and to see some of our work and contact us, I would say our website would be the best. Um, but we're also on Instagram, LinkedIn, and uh, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Um, I say, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, what's the website there, David? It is veridity.net, B-I-R-I-D-I-T-I.net. Perfect, perfect. Well, David, um, I also forgot to mention, I know you just got married uh, a few weeks ago, so an official on the air congratulations uh, on your recent wedding. Um, you know, I hope that, that, yeah, absolutely. I hope that you and the wife have a, a long, happy life together, um, that you guys continue to, to, you know, do this great work through Veridity for conservation. Uh, and yeah, thank you for joining me today, man. I really appreciated uh, hearing your story and, and more about the company. Yeah, thank you for, thank you for that. I appreciate that. And thank you for having me on. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we'll talk soon and uh, take care of yourself. You too. All right. Thanks, David. All right. Well, a big thank you to David for joining me on the podcast today. I would also like to thank the partners of the podcast, Stone Glacier and Go Hunt, as well as 2% for Conservation. And if you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And there you can see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation, committed to conservation that you should support when you shop. I also encourage you guys to give 2% a follow on social media where it's going to be only uh, positive conservation driven content uh, coming through in your feeds as well. So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, Stay tuned next week. Um, And remember to stay safe out there and that conservation starts with you.